Hey, Catholic Divas. Did you know that there is a phase in a woman's development called the pre-puberty phase? This is before she starts her menstruation. And this could be a few years before that event. It could be as early as eight years old. We're going to talk about this phase in this podcast. We're going to talk about how to prepare our daughters in this phase. And we're also going to be talking about how we heal our own wounds of messages that we receive from either those who we love or society during that part of our phase of our own womanhood. So come on into the podcast and let's have a conversation. Hey, this is Mama Jane. And this is Mama Vicki. Welcome to the Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I'm a Billings Ovulation Method Instructor and a Certified Catholic Mindset Coach. And I'm a Labor and Delivery Nurse, an IBCLC, and a La Leche League Leader. We're here to share with you the beauty and the pain of your cycles. Have you considered honoring your cycle throughout the journey of your womanhood? Have you ever considered your cycle as a tool toward your holiness? Well, sisters, it is. We're excited to walk this journey with you. So go grab your favorite journal and pen and your hot beverage, and let's do this. Hey, welcome back, Catholic Divas, to the podcast. And we are going to talk about something really fun, preparing for puberty. We are starting to get into a little bit of the spring. We've got a little bit of showing some of the flowers are kind of popping up and stuff. And and this is kind of the time where we like to look at our female continuum as the seasons of our life, right? So spring is that is that beginning puberty, pu- going into the puberty. And so we're going to have a conversation about that. First of all, I want to talk to you a little bit about just some developmental things. And Mama Vicki, you jump in here too, because you're the nurse. But We have to remember that before a woman has her first menstruation, which remember I talked about this, but the first menstruation is actually called a monarchy. And in many cultures, they celebrate this. American cultures or the Western cultures don't really celebrate it. It's kind of almost a dreaded thing. And we have that opportunity to change that mindset. But a number of years before that, And it depends on each woman because remember, each woman is unique. Each woman is beautiful. Each woman has a a unique body and develops the way they're supposed to. But anywhere between what? What would you say, Vicki? Eight and nine around? Yeah, around eight, nine years old. And again, that fluctuates because one of Claire's friends, there's a little trio of them. And one started her cycle at nine years old. And then Claire was probably 12, almost 13. And then this little gal's 14 and just started. So that varies too. Yes. Yeah. That was one of those things that I was also going to talk about. But what we're talking about is like that pre-puberty stage where the body is just starting, just like, you know, we're in the end of February and we're not quite into spring, but we're starting to see glimpses, right? You may, depending on where you live, you may start to have a sunny day or snow may be starting to melt or something. So some of the things, and you probably, many of you may know this already just because of your own journey, but some of the things may be noticing uh, maybe hair on their legs, maybe hair under their underarm, maybe a little bit of developing little buds of their breasts. But more importantly, one of the key factors, and Vicki and I have talked about this, is 
in our own journey is little girls start to kind of get plump, right? Would, it, mm-hmm. would that be a good word? Chunky or kind of fill out. Yeah. Faces kind of get round. They just kind of, yeah, get plump yeah, so that and- they can grow up because then they have massive growth spurts. You know, when your breasts are fully developed and all that is happening, it's a lot happening to your body. So your body needs that extra energy is really what it is. But, and, you know, I think that's definitely an important part to talk about because a lot of girls get very self-conscious. Yes. And, you know, they're not, quote, doing anything wrong. This is how their body's developing. It's what their body does. Exactly. It have to do with eating too much. Exactly. And that is one of those things that we really, really want to point out, mamas, because Unfortunately, and Vicki and I have talked about our own woundedness in this, this can be a time before they even reach puberty where their own sense of self-worth or their own identity by their body image can be damaged based on what others say or what others think or you know, the other messages. Now, we can't control what the world is saying, what the magazines are saying, or social media or something, but we certainly, certainly can remind them that their body is perfect and their body knows how to grow according to the way it's supposed to grow. They don't hear that enough. I mean, girls don't hear that enough. And I know everybody can relate to whether you were the skinny girl quote in the, in middle school or whether you were the chunky girl in middle school. None of them are happy with their bodies, but unfortunately society makes the skinny girls seem like the shape everybody should be. Yes, yes. I always find it so fascinating. I mean, just the different size. If you lined up the whole, if you lined up an entire class of middle schoolers and you look at the boys and the girls, just the different shapes and size they are. So I, you know, remind my girls like, hey, they're, everybody's, you know, a little different and everybody feels so self-conscious. Yes. But I'm just kind of talking about even like before middle school, like that third, fourth, fourth, fifth grade. I'd say fourth, I'd say fourth, fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. Third, third, there's still, there's not, I mean, that's pretty rare. They're going to puberty in third grade, but I end of fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah. That, but the same, I mean, fifth and sixth grade girls, God love those teachers out there that teach them because that's a lot, a lot of emotion. That's kind of when that's all developing. And, And because we don't understand it and because there may be a few years, like you said, the one girl started her menarche at nine and then the other one you know didn't start until 14. There's a really long age of this gradual development. Exactly. It's not a boom, 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 you know, 30 second McDonald's or microwave right. kind of thing. And depending on how much or how fast each person's, you know, metabolism or whatever, however it develops, it may only take a few years or it may take a lot longer, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I always remember I was in fourth grade but when my body started showing hair. And then in fifth grade, my breast started to develop. But then I didn't yeah. actually start my first period until I was in seventh grade. So, mm-hmm. you know, those those three years of developing sure. and... Like you said, a lot is going on because it's not just the body, right? And then they're learning how to be social as well. Yes. The social situations change from when you're little and just playing games and that starts to change. So yeah, the girls are navigating quite a bit in these fifth to seventh, fourth to seventh grade years, fourth to eighth. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course, you know, one of the other things is again, the when we're talking about the body shape, also, you know, the hips get wider. And we have to remember that everything that is developing 
is based on our cycle because we are the co-creators. That is our gift. We, our whole body is geared towards giving life to another human being. So the, the wider the hips, that's going to be preparing us for childbirth. Our breasts are going to be developing because that is how we're going to nurture the, those babies that we're going to be having later. The lactation consultant me has to pop in right here yes, and saying please. that the size of your breasts do not matter as far as capability to breastfeed. Yes. So maybe maybe a wider hip span is going to allow for an easier birth, but the breasts, it doesn't matter what size you are, they make the milk. <laughs> right. And really, it doesn't matter. I mean, your hips are your hips, right? Right. Babies are going to be according to your bodies, whether you're five, two and a hundred pounds or five, eight and whatever, the size of your hips are to prepare you to give birth to your children. Correct. Yes. So I just wanted to remind women that there's a purpose of this development, right? Yes, definitely. And I also wondered if we could kind of touch on, this is a time for the mothers to prepare for their girls. You know, this is kind of the season where you take a look at what your experience was, good or bad, and deal with those feelings around it. Because many of us don't have great experiences. Our mothers just didn't have the tools, or you maybe you didn't have a mother or a, a woman figure in your life to explain it to you. And um, those wounds can be really deep. I mean, we can carry a lot of shame for no reason. I mean, we are the co-creator. Menarche should be celebrated. This is a great thing. I mean, fertility is a blessing. And like I said, most of us have not had that experience. So dealing with those, whether it's through Catholic coaching, coming over to our Facebook page and checking it out over there, see what other women have experienced. Sometimes just camaraderie and other knowing you're not alone in these experiences is helpful. Yes. And doing your own work, like you said, that is a really, really great internal exercise for yourself in just taking a journal and writing down all those memories. You and I talked before we actually started recording and we were sharing our own experiences and I started crying because I had a memory and it wasn't a very happy memory, obviously, because there was still a wound to it, right? But luckily, because I know how to embrace my emotions and I also know how to look back on our memories and, you know, act of forgiveness of, of accepting, like that was what those family members were able to give me. Because they right. had their own judgment and their own vision and their own, what we call in coaching world, manuals. Like, this is how this is yes. supposed to be. And while their intentions were very good, they were trying to help. The way it was described and the, what they said to me was very damaging into my own, my own self-image. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What I really remember, my mom did try to explain it to me and then we moved and she had had a hysterectomy. So we had no supplies when I started. When my dad found out I started, he said, I better not ever see any evidence of you being on your period ever. Not wow. in the trash, nowhere. So it was, I mean, that's, a, that's a shameful message. Yeah. You know, that it's an um, all, really, yes. I mean, that's, but that's he, I mean, that's, that's his. And kind of like you said, I, I mean, th that was his coping. His manual didn't have that in it, obviously at all. So Right, right. Because go. part of the thing is, is especially guys, guys don't understand. I was listening to another podcast about fertility and everything. And this guy was, on, I don't remember what the name of the podcast was anyway. And the guy said, I didn't have any sisters. And I didn't even know about women having periods until I got married. Like, I didn't even know this, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that is part of it is that 
you know, he didn't know how to deal with it. And so his coping mechanism was, I don't want to see any of it. Exactly. I didn't have sisters either. Right. Because so, you were the first you know, one and you didn't have other it, sisters either. But And it has been interesting to see how my girls have supported each other. You know, Beth was the first. So that was a, a whole interesting time. But it, it, it was it's very interesting to see how each one of them handles it differently. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all so unique. I mean, here's three sisters living in the same house and and they all reacted differently and managed mm-hmm. differently. Right. It is fascinating how girls today are very open. You know, I like to say, I am a nurse and I work with young nurses and not not only my girls, but women today can talk about it with other women freely. Right. Like, oh, you know, my period started and not be taboo. I still have to fight that. <gasps> Why would you say that? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. A generational thing and a me thing. It's I, I think it's great that they can. Mm-hmm. No, you I know, remember. And they talk about the different methods, you know, hey, I use the Diva Cup. You know, they just mm-hmm. aren't able to explore options that might work for them that I never even heard about. Right. Yeah. I remember when we were in middle school, we used to call it Fred. Fred came over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like our secret code. Right. Like Aunt Flo or all mm-hmm. the little code names people right. have. Yeah. Or they just right. say it's my week or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So going back to our own work, right? You and I just kind of shared a couple of things of the messages that we received. And unfortunately, most of them were negative and how we can change that. This is the other thing, women, is that just because this is how we received it doesn't mean this is how we have to give it. We can change for our next generation. And we can also go through our own healing process. Like I said, I mean, there was that moment of healing of of that one memory of mine and accepting that that was who it was, but that's not a message that I need to accept anymore and to take it. And it is what it is. So that's one of those things that I always recommend is it's so powerful. Journaling is such a powerful exercise, even just writing out the memory so that it kind of gives you that little bit of a distance. And then also the other aspect of it is to journal about the future of like, if your daughter isn't of this age, or maybe she's just starting to become in this age and you hadn't even considered it, how would you like to explain her body changing and her starting her cycle and what the purpose of her cycle is? That is really important. And those of us who have older daughters who maybe we fumbled, I mean, because we didn't do it well, mainly because we didn't have the tools, we can also heal on our own mistakes and have those conversations like we talked about a few weeks ago with how do we relate to our adult children, right? And mm-hmm. I I know I have had those conversations with my oldest of just talking about her childhood because now she's she's old enough and distant enough from that that we can have a conversation that's a little bit less emotional or, I don't know, in the moment aspect. Right. And she's had enough life experience now that, I mean, it takes some time to become an adult yourself yes. to realize your parents are people mm-hmm. and you can't rush that. People, come, right. Some people never come to it, but definitely a younger adult, they're just not ready. You're kind of like you said, they're too close to the situation. I also just want to throw out about journaling. Journaling is very hard for me. I really struggle with it. So I just want to put it out there, ladies, if I do think journaling is good, but if you're not the kind of gal that gets up and can immediately journal two pages, that's okay. Even if you get up and jot down, even if you do it every other day, twice a week, anything is good. And and 
I am reminded of that when I go back and read what I have written, even if it was a week ago, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm, glad, I'm really glad I wrote that down. I would not have remembered that, right. how I felt. So that is the power of journaling, but don't not do it because you're not getting up in the morning excited. Honestly, I'm almost never excited to do it, but I'm excited to have it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, just like anything, it it is a tool and it is a skill. And I always say, you got to be bad at something long enough to be good at something. <laughs> I mean, it, it was kind of one of those crazy things for me personally is I just started journaling. I didn't even know it was a word. Now there is an actual like spiritual exercise, but I used to just journal during my prayer time because I didn't really know how to pray. And so I would just kind of like, dear Jesus, and I would write. And then I would just jot all the thoughts and all the things and everything like that. And it became my prayer. And it was interesting. I went to a this thing called Prayer and Life Workshop, which teaches you different methodologies of praying. And that was one of the methodologies. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. But again, that's the other thing is like, I've been doing it for a long time. So if you haven't ever journaled before, and like you said, even just notes, even just Bullet points. This I, yes, I was. Just gonna, yes, I was just going to say that I, I was. I was coaching somebody earlier this week, and that's exactly what they said. Well, like, let me just give you the bullet points, and I was like, "Oh, that's a really good phrase." Like just the bullet points. It doesn't have to be like the stream of consciousness or anything like that. And especially when we're dealing with memories like this, like it may maybe painful memories, but one of the benefits of journaling the memories is to bring up those emotions so that they're not so deep down because when we don't face it, we can't heal it. But when we name it, we can claim it and then we can ask Christ to heal it. And I also think it's another really good opportunity to maybe be open. Like if you do some journaling or you do some thought on your experience, if it wasn't the best, it's a good time to to try Catholic coaching. And, and after you journal a bit and kind of get down to what is, you know, I so I have this negative feeling about starting a period. What does that mean? So you right. have to kind of think on it on your own for a minute. Like, what is it that's bothering me? The actual physicality of it, the feeling, you know, and when, then when you write and if you take it to a Catholic coach, they can help you kind of eat the elephant one bite at a time yes. rather than a lot of us get emotional and it's hard to narrow down what the yeah, are. because as Catholic coaches, we can create that clean space and yes. we're not invested in it. So it really doesn't matter what the issue is that any mm -hmm. client brings us. We have the ability to ask the right questions so that you can process whether it's an emotional aspect or whether it's a memory or whether it's just an obstacle or creating a vision or whatever it is. That That's one of the things I love about Catholic coaching is it gives you the opportunity to have someone alongside you that there's no judgment. It doesn't matter. Like I said, it doesn't matter what you talk about. And someone that's in your corner. Mm -hmm. That's the best thing about it is that as a coach, I'm always in my client's corner and I always hold space for them and remind them of their dignity, sometimes because they're their own worst enemy. And right. I know for my own self, that has been so helpful for myself because I've had so much judgment about myself, but I've had experience with the amazing Catholic coaches. And that's exactly, it's just like they hold the space. 
So that's mm-hmm. also that beautiful thing about journaling, about our own past, and again, about what we want to do. But one of those other things that I want to talk about when well, going back to our body, our natural body development is the weight and the scale. I want to remind you, mamas, that the scale is just a number. It's a neutral place. This is one of those coaching tools that we have is that what we make things mean, just like you you said about your dad telling you, hey, I don't want to see it at all. I don't want to see any evidence. And the way the tone was, it gave you an inference of shame. Now, mm-hmm. if you went back to ask your dad, did you know you were shaming me when you said X, Y, and Z? He probably would say no, but he didn't come from a neutral place. And that's what I want to talk about with the scale is I was listened to a, a friend of mine, another Catholic coach had shared an experience about her daughter was going through, you know, she was, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, something like that. And the little girl went into her bathroom and jumped on the scale and her mom was in there doing something. And she's like, is this a good number? But because of her coaching ability, she said, I remain neutral. And I just asked her, well, are numbers good or bad? And she's like, well, numbers are numbers. And she's, yeah, that's right. And then she said, so that's just a number. And it took the power where it could have gone really bad, right? Mm-hmm. And the little girl like literally just hopped off the scale and went and she's like, oh, okay. And then she just went off and played. And 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 this coach, you know, was commenting like, I don't know where my, my daughter's never stepped on my scale. I've never talked to her about weight or anything like that. So I don't know where this message of this scale and whether that number is good or bad or what people are weighing and things like that. So what things mean, what are we taking it to mean, right? That's one of those things that we have to examine of like, what am I making this mean about me or about the situation or about the other person who said it or whatever, right? But if we can stay in a neutral place about the facts, that's another thing, right? And we talk about that all the time, Vicki, is like, what are the actual facts and what is the drama? What is the story? Right. She stepped on the scale and this was the number. That was the fact. When I heard that from her, I was so proud of her. I was like, wow, that's a mom who understands and has completely annihilated all of those obstacles for that little girl to begin to even have those body image issues. Now, like I said, the mom's questioning is why would she even do that? It's never been something that I've ever shown her, but somewhere, somehow, some way she heard something about jumping on a scale and what do I weigh, right? And well, it's all around us. I mean, it's constant. Yeah, exactly. On, if, if she's exposed to any media whatsoever, ever at all. Exactly. It's almost impossible to not be, even if you don't allow it in your home or whatever, you're going to run into it in a store at a restaurant, out in public. I mean, you'd have to live in a cave somewhere to not have any exposure. But that is definitely the way we want to set. I mean, we want a better mindset for our daughters and to take shame out of the way their body develops. Because again, you line up the whole middle school, you're going to have short, tall, thin, thick, different hair color, different eye color. And that's the same way for when you develop in puberty. it's, It's just, we don't have the roadmap usually of what you exactly are going to look like. So we got to watch it play out. 
And this is also another really good time to start thinking about bringing up the whole how to track the cycle, things like this. Start thinking yes. about bringing cycle, that up. Cycle tracking. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to say about that, while I have done those classes and I, when I ever do those classes, I always do it with a mother and a daughter so that, again, it's that womanly camaraderie mm-hmm. of building that bond between mother and daughter. This is something that we get to share that the boys don't get to share because they don't know what we're talking about or whatever. But I have found naturalwomanhood.org, and we're going to put that link in the show notes. That is a really beautiful organization that talks about all kinds of different methods. Now, I happen to be a Billings instructor, but they talk about all different methods of natural fertility tracking. But they also have a really interesting course. It's an online course, what I saw, that you could go to it. And then you and your daughter could watch it together. And it just kind of teaches you that basic thing. But speaking of that, the one thing I do want to talk about is the importance of understanding, again, going back to how our bodies are developed. Sometimes when a woman starts her menarche age 12, what's happening is the hormones are starting to kind of like get into the rhythm. And the quote unquote cycle is not consistent. It may not be consistent up to seven years. So if you think Mm -hmm. about it, you know, a girl who starts her first period at 12, seven years, she's 19 and she's still having quote unquote irregular periods. And yet they're not irregular. It's just that her body hasn't gotten into a rhythm. And I want to remind women that because I have heard too many mothers say, Oh my goodness, my daughter's got a real regular period. I've got to take her to the OBGYN. And then the next thing you know, that OBGYN's answer is putting her on the pill at 14 or 15 or 16. And it's completely unnecessary. What's necessary is simply having her track what her body is telling her. And that is her body. And, you know, this is it. This is how it is. It's okay. It doesn't have to be 21 days or 28 days. I mean, that is another thing. I've taught young 20-something-year-olds and they come to me and say, oh, I have an irregular cycle. And that's my first question is, what do you mean by irregular? Well, last month I was 26 days and, and this month I'm 31 days or something. I'm like, but that's within a normal range. Exactly. And that's part of it is that sometimes those, you know, it could be six weeks and every six weeks she gets a cycle. That's going to be her normal because again, that estrogen and the progesterone have to figure out how to be released and things like that. And then also just the normal bleeding, you know, average menstruation bleeding is usually about three to five days. You know, if you're changing your pad a lot, then you need to kind of talk. But that's also one of those things that we've talked about is like also part of it is just getting used to knowing how often you have to change. Right. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember I, I just remember horror stories of like me being in a place and not having the things to change and not being right. able to change because I didn't I mean, think about I needed to like have you know, it's supplies. Yeah. It's kind of like breastfeeding or or changing a diaper, right? Like you're going Mm. out and you just didn't think that I was going to have to change the diaper 
four times and I only brought two diapers, you know, instead right. of four or whatever. And it's kind of experience, right? It's just this Absolutely. experience of, okay, let's take what we know and evaluate this experience and what can we do better instead of shaming or having that conversation and stuff. Yes. Yep. Another two, fun tip as a mom for your child is I always had like in my car, in my glove box, a little emergency pack for things like that. Maybe it's not their favorite pad, but not your favorite pad is better than no pad in a, in a crunch. So always just kind of having one of those. And I'm co- confident. I'm not a school nurse, but I feel like I could speak for them. They probably is one of the very frequent visits, especially with the younger girls who just started and oh, yeah. are learning how to manage it. So, yeah. you know, God love, God love the nurse. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and actually, when I used to teach the class more often, one of the other tips we always gave the girls was to have an extra sweater so that in case you did, you know, did start your cycle that you weren't anticipating and all of a sudden you've leaked and you've got a stain, you could put a, a sweater around and walk. And also if you have the ability to put an extra pair of jeans in your locker or something like that. I remember when I was in middle school, that's one of those things. It was, this is back in the day where it was cool to have a jean bag, you know, oh, I always had a, well, I didn't have a sweater because it was always hot where I lived, but we always had an extra pair of jeans and an extra pair of underwear, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and there's another thing. I never carried a purse until I started my period. And then I would only carry it when I needed it. So that can be awkward because as a young woman, you think everybody knows. You think walking out the door that everybody knows. And nobody knows it's it's you, but you know, and you know, I remember the first time I actually had to buy my own supplies thinking, oh my gosh, this cashier is horrified. I'm like, they're not, I mean, it took me a long time to be like, Vicky, they don't care what you buy. I mean, they're not yes. invested in that at all. I mean, Hey, nowadays, heck, can't even get a cashier. It's all self-checkout. But I'm just it's- saying, you know, we have to remember with our girls being young and preparing for puberty and preparing for their cycle. These are all just little tidbits to remember. And you have to take yourself back to when you were learning how to manage your cycle. Yeah. And even now there's so many, like you said, different products that we didn't have growing Mm -hmm. up, you know, and that is another opportunity for a mother and a daughter to kind of bond is to Mm -hmm. go down those aisles and talk about the different kinds. And it's just like buying your favorite underwear or your favorite bra or your favorite shirt. What do I like? What is the feeling? How long and eventually get the right kind and be able to be able to explore like, hey, just because I bought Kotex, whatever, she likes, she wants to try. What Always or whatever. It? Yeah. Or or the cup or something, you know, yeah. or, mm-hmm. or what it was that there's this new, I saw a commercial about it where it's like panties and underwear mix. Oh, yeah. What is it called? I haven't tried them, but they're, I forget what they're called too, but there are supposedly underwear out there that you don't have to wear anything with. You know, I'm I'm a lady of an age that I think I'd be too nervous to try that. But, yeah, uh, me too. Me too. I but, was like, know. um, but yeah, um, give give your daughter the opportunity to just experiment. Or like, was you know, we bought this kind of box. How was it? Was it comfortable? I remember one type. The stickiness would always come off, and then the you know when I'm walking, and you know, well, okay, around. so mm-hmm. yeah, so then okay, then don't, and then they came out with the wings, and I just remember like, oh my goodness, this is so great, you know. So those are just kind of things. This is a great opportunity to explore with your daughter and a new adventure and to really embrace her own womanhood and remind her that, you know, God loves her and God created her body beautiful and unique. 
And she is beautiful no matter what size her breasts are, no matter how big her hips are, no matter how big her feet are, right? You you mentioned that <laughs> yes. about how like you, you realize like no matter what did you say? No matter how much weight I lose, my feet are gonna still be the same. That's right. <laughs> it's like I can't control how big my feet get, you know? That's true. <laughs> so just to kind of go over, remember the body develops normal and it could be as early as eight or nine, that little pudgy. That's okay. Don't worry about it. The purposes of the changes is because we are women and we are co-creators. Our cycle is so important to our bodies. And then again, do your own work. If this topic has brought up some of your memories of like when you first started your period, or maybe you've bought your first bra or whatever, I want to encourage you to, to journal about it, get those memories out, get those emotions out. And like Vicki said, if you want to coach, you know where to find me. We're on Facebook, Cycles and Sanctity Facebook group page. Wisdomwellnesscoaching.net is our website. You can find me on Instagram and you can find Mama Vicky on Instagram. If you have any like medical questions, if you're really concerned about some actual medical things, like I really think this might be an issue, go ahead and reach out to Mama Vicky. She's a, an amazing nurse and she knows all the what's normal, what's not and and everything like that, right? I can definitely steer you to who you would need to talk to. I don't have all the answers, but right. I can definitely say, hey, yes, that's something you should take to your provider. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. Well, we will see you next week as we journey into the spring. God bless you all. Mama Vicky and I would really, really appreciate it if you went ahead and subscribe to this podcast, download it. Click the bell button so that you can get all the newest episodes. But more importantly, if you could write a review and if you have any questions that you would like to have us talk about, any subjects that you would like us to talk about this season, we would love that kind of feedback. So go ahead and go into your favorite podcast platform and just write a review or reach out and contact us. Have a great day.